Hi there. If you found us, I'm guessing you're a tired parent. It's the middle of the night or the middle of the day and sleep just isn't happening. Well, this isn't Mean Girls. You should not stop trying to make sleep happen. In fact, I'd say sleep, or the lack thereof, is actually preventing other things in life from happening. Loving, learning, living your best life as a well-rested family. Maybe your baby won't sleep through the night, or your little one's nap schedule is erratic at best. Maybe you just can't get your toddler out of your bed and into theirs. You're not alone, and you're not without solutions. Solutions that we have. Solutions that will have you sleeping like a mother of a well-rested baby. This is the Sleep Like a Mother podcast. Welcome. I'm Ashley Channer Rizzo, Certified Pediatric Sleep Consultant and Director of Well-Rested Baby. We're a team of mamas and pediatric sleep consultants that help children of all ages all over the world get the sleep they need. I'm a mama to not one, but two sets of twins. Yes, you heard that correctly. Two sets of twins, and they're only 15 months apart. Sleep makes my life possible, and I've made it my mission to help families develop healthy sleep habits in their home so that they too can experience life as it was meant to be lived, well-rested, Today, we'll be talking about three sources of some serious nighttime drama. Teething, dream feeds, and nightlights. Oh my. At least once a week, we receive an email from tired parents and they want to know about one of these three things. They seem innocent and small scale enough, sure, but without precaution, each of these nighttime issues can lead to a real interruption in your little one's sleep habits. Let's start by talking dream feeds. So for those of you not familiar with the concept, don't worry, I wasn't either when my littles were born. But a dream feed is just as it sounds. You're feeding your baby while they're dreaming. That is, while they're sleeping. The hopes of a dream feed is that by offering them the opportunity to eat while they're sleeping, and more often than not on your schedule, you're going to reduce the overnight wakings and feedings. So... How does that work? The idea is this. Let's say you know your baby can go five hours between eating overnight. Well, if they went to bed at 7 p.m., that would mean they'd be ready to eat at midnight. But if you did a dream feed at 10, they would be able to make it until 3 a.m. before needing to eat, meaning that they'd only wake up once in the middle of the night to eat rather than twice. And it can actually work. For some babies, sometimes. Other babies, they just wake up at their originally scheduled time regardless. Do I recommend dream feeds? No, here's why. So first off, once babies are old enough to officially sleep train, their bodies have the hormonal drive to promote lengthy sleep. If they're sleeping, their bodies are choosing sleep over food. I say, let's give them some credit and respect those needs. Two, sure, during a dream feed, your baby is sleeping-ish, but do you think that sleep is anywhere near as restorative as the sleep they were getting if they weren't eating? And if there's one thing you should know from listening to this podcast is that when we don't receive the sleep we need, when we need it, our bodies produce what? Sleep-fighting hormones. I believe interrupting their sleep to eat can actually lead to even greater disruptions overnight rather than less. Three, 
How are we ever going to know what your baby is capable of doing if you don't allow them the chance to show off? What if your baby can make it through the night without eating at all, but because you've offered a dream feed, their sleep was less restorative, and as a result, they woke more frequently? You would never know what they're capable of because you interfered. Give them the space to shine. So if your pediatrician gives you an A-OK, then by all means, let your little one sleep if they're sleeping. All right, topic number two, teething. Those first few chompers, ah, they're so cute, but it won't be long before you notice what a pain, literally a pain teething can be. Babies pop that first tooth around the sixth month mark and they won't stop until they're nearly three. Yikes. That's two and a half years of teething. Two and a half years. That's a lot of years and a lot of teeth. 20 teeth in total. So I'm just going to say it. If we let teething interfere with sleep, no one is going to sleep until your baby's three. Do you want to sleep before your baby's three? I thought so. So I'm going to suggest that you make them as comfortable as possible before bed. That is, if timing allows, offer the pain medication of preference about 20 minutes prior to bedtime. Now, I found with my kids that Motrin worked best for teething pain, and word on the playground was the same from fellow moms. Just a little tip there, mom to mom, but I should point out, As I'm sure you know, I'm not a doctor and my tips and tricks should not be mistaken for medical advice. Always, always, always defer to your pediatrician. Now, if your little one wakes up overnight and it's time for another dose of medicine, you can absolutely offer it to them. But I recommend doing so with as little fanfare as possible. Leave the room as dark as possible, interact as less as possible. And that means you're going to have to prep the medicine outside of the room, head on in, give them the medicine, and leave without much of a fuss. We want to set the tone that it's time to sleep and that they are still in charge of falling back asleep on the own. Your confident demeanor is absolutely going to rub off on them, and if you show no fuss, they may have no reason to fuss too. <gasps> what? And leave them? Yes, and leave them. Clearly, if your baby is in pain, you can comfort them. You don't need my permission to do that, obviously. If comforting them means rocking, then rock. If it means walking around the room, then do some laps. What I'm saying is start off with the road of least interference and only graduate to more invasive comforting techniques if it's needed. Teething does not need to be an excuse to fall into bad habits. Once your little one's feeling better, you'll want to drop any of those habits that you picked up just as quickly as you pick them up. One last thing to keep in mind when it comes to teething. Hey, I know I'm not feeling too hot. Sleep helps. Babies aren't any different. Pain and emotional regulation is much more manageable when you're well rested than when you're overtired. So if your behaviors are interfering with their sleep, Rather than promoting sleep, ask yourself if what you're doing is for them or to make yourself feel better. All right. Okay. If you don't think I'm a big jerk by now and you're still here with me, 
First off, let's be friends, but let's also talk nightlights before people start tossing eggs at my door. You may have noticed during my whole teething rant, I mentioned keeping the room as dark as possible. There's a reason for that. A sleep environment that is conducive to sleep is dark. That's why we recommend blackout blinds and or curtains as part of a healthy sleep environment. Call me an extremist, but I even suggest taking black electrical tape to cover unnecessary lights on devices such as humidifiers or thermostats. There's really a few reasons for this. One, our bodies are very reactionary to light. Even a dim light can rouse someone from a sleep and make it more difficult for them to fall asleep. Two, cool-hued lights like those on devices or lights is read by your brain as natural light. So when our body senses natural light, it will even slow or stop melatonin production, interfering with our natural sleep rhythms. Three, everything is new and exciting to little ones. While we may roll over and see a light on a thermostat and fall asleep without giving it a second thought, that's a brand new phenomenon for a growing baby. Same goes with decor, toys, books. It's all so much fun to look at. And for older sleepers, it's all so many reasons not to sleep. Dark is the absolute best for sleep. Now, sometimes you can't get around a nightlight. For babies, you need to see them to feed them overnight or change their diaper. For older sleepers, sometimes you really just have to pick your battles. If you do have a nightlight in your kiddo's room, we recommend it be a warm-hued light. If it's in your baby's room, only turn it on when you need to and turn it off once you leave. If it's in your toddler's room, place it behind a piece of furniture to really minimize the glow. Now, if you have a little one with a fear of the dark, that's another topic and we'll be getting to that episode in the near future. But when possible, dark is absolute best for sleep. Mamas and papas, thank you so much for listening. It takes a village and I am honored that you've allowed me into yours. If you wanna know more about teething, dream feeds, night lights, or any other sleep-related topic, please visit our website at wellrestedbaby.com. You'll find sleep tips, show notes, and more about Well-Rested Baby, our philosophies, and our support packages. Just a really quick spoiler alert, we don't judge. We are here to help you find a solution for your little one's sleep in a manner that reflects your comfort level, not ours. After all, I'm not Regina George. Sleep is not my gold hoops, and you can absolutely get in on this trend too. Join us next week. Just hit that subscribe button. And we're going to chat rebellious two-year-olds and how to help them hang on to that nap. Until then, sweet dreams and lots of coffee.